Welcome everybody to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim Gross and today my guest is David Richards and this is a second appearance for David. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> we were just saying maybe it was like a year ago and we also just said and felt that it is not by coincidence that we are meeting again today. And you will understand what I mean by that in just a moment. But let me begin with the quote as I normally do. Okay. As your kids grow, they may forget what you said, but they won't forget how you made them feel. And that's by Kevin Heath. And you know what? And I'm going to expand that to not only just parents and kids, but teachers as well can have such a profound impact on what they, how they make their students feel. And I'm going to add on to this quote and say, it can go either direction. As a parent, as a teacher, you can make your child or student feel amazing and worthy and valued and cherished, or you can make them feel like total shit. Yes. So it can go either way, right? So yep. we have to be really, really mindful of how we treat them, what we say and how we show up. And that's what we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. But before we do, for anyone who is new to masks off and they didn't hear about you a year ago or meet you a year ago. Why don't you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? All right. Thank you. Well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity to be back again. I'm excited to be here. And I would really call myself a change maker educator. So for the last 25 plus years, I've been thinking about how to create change in the education space. And now I'm doing less thinking and more heart guiding yeah. around where's the flow of the universe, the zeitgeist of the space, education, post-COVID, all of that wonderful stuff that we'll get into. And so I've spent, like I said, 25 years. I didn't start in education. I actually started in the banking space and public affairs. So I spent all of my 20s. I worked in a Washington, D.C. and London in fancy financial districts and wearing three I did not suits. know that. <laughs> yeah. This is, <laughs> and when I turned 29, I was like, gosh, this is not my future. It's really not mm -hmm. my future. And so I was on the path. I had a great job. I was in line to be the director, all the stories, you know, all the stories of outside success. But there was a whisper that just kept getting louder and louder, which mm -hmm. said, you really need to get into education. And that whisper was like, you know, you didn't have a great experience in education. And it transformed my life out of poverty, right? So it's like, I didn't have a great experience in K through 12, yet my college experience completely transformed my life. Being able to get a bachelor's degree and go to community, yeah, all these are all new, right? This is all new. Going to community college, going to UC Berkeley. And so when I turned 29, I decided that I would go back to school, get my teaching credential, my master's. And this is, this is the part of the story that's really crazy. So I took a massive pay cut to go to grad school, pay $50,000 to go to Stanford. And then when I graduated from Stanford, I went to teach in Oakland public schools and paid, and was paid $37,000. <laughs> so I basically not only took a massive pay cut to leave Washington, DC, but then I got into $50,000 of debt and I took another massive pay cut to 
get my first job after going to grad school. <laughs> yeah, the story worked out, right? Because I followed the intuitive tugs. I followed the flow of life and I believed in something much bigger than the stories that were told and the kind of traditional path. And it was very courageous and very scary. And I did it and went for it. And then when I turned 39, I spent, so I spent 29 to 39 working for a charter school organization that when I started, we had one school at the back of a high school in modulars. Mm. And I left, we had received a $50 million check from Mark Zuckerberg. So in those nine years, <laughs> we went from a small school at the back of a high school that nobody knew about to 10 schools across the Bay Area. I went from teacher, principal, and chief schools officer. So basically from a teacher to second in command of the whole organization. And by the time I left, it was like, you know, $80 million organization. And when I turned 39, my kids were two and four, and I had backaches, physical problems, headaches. I was literally on the phone all day, every day in the car, sitting in traffic, overseeing 10 schools across seven cities in the Bay area, like hustle, 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 had a great salary, a great life on the outside. Again, these decade points are funny. And when I turned 39, I decided that I was going to not become the CEO, which was the pathway I was on to take over this hundred million dollar organization, but rather go back to my roots and start a small school and where my wife's from in Sacramento. So we left the Bay Area, went to a much slower pace here in Sacramento. And I started my school and I was literally going from these very high status funders one week. And then the next week, I was literally talking to you, a mom at a Starbucks saying like, come on, you, you really want to put your five-year-old in this school, right? Well, but you don't have a building or a teacher. I'm like, trust me, I have a vision and we're going to change education together. Are you ready? And I so I just went, grassroots three hours at a time with moms and Starbucks and community centers. And we had a hundred kids in that first year. And then we started growth public school, which is now K through seven. And, and in that time, I found my spiritual path, had a massive spiritual awakening. And as you know, did some programs like the inner Sangha and other leadership programs. And here I am today, <laughs> quite a whirlwind of experience, right? Of different, different things. And currently I'm doing the Changemaker EDU podcast and also working, I still work at the school as an advisor, but it's only, you know, five, five, 10 hours a week. And so we're working on building a high school and I'm really starting to envision how do we bring the work that we're going to talk about today into the schools and into creating more schools. And so Changemaker EDU is really about how do we find what is wanting to come through you? What's coming, what's wanting to come through your unique emanation of the source, right? Like what wants to come through you? And if you're an education change maker, you know, who's my people I'm talking to, what is it that you really, really want to do? If you're a mom and you're like, I want to homeschool, that's a massively important mission. You have one child and you want to homeschool them, massively important. Or if you're like, I want to start a micro school, or if you're like, I want to stay in the schools, but I want to change the way I do my classroom, whatever it is that you want to do, we're going to come together and we're going to support you and build a community around that. So that's just a little bit about me. <laughs> well, first of all, oh my gosh, like almost all that you shared is all new information, even for me. So I really enjoyed getting to know that information about you as well. Okay. So here is the thing. So I'm trying to decide where I want to start. First of all, yeah. I love the fact that I love the fact that you heard the whisper and that you followed it. 
because, and I'm not saying that you didn't wear masks at some point in your life. And you can certainly share that with me and with us in a moment. Yeah. But one of the hardest freaking things to do when you wear masks is to follow that whisper, that intuition, that gut sense, because, and I'll speak for myself and I feel like many others as well, that you get cut off from that. I was cut off from knowing what my intuition was telling me and guiding me to do. I knew it when I was seven, eight, nine years old, when I was connected to my essence. But when I started to put the masks on, the people-pleasing mask, the perfection mask, and I was pleasing, performing, and perfecting, and everything I was doing was looking to the outside to get that validation. Am I okay? Is this okay? Should I say this? Should I do that? Is this all right? And when I learned repeatedly from my mother, how could you say something like that? How could you think that way? What's wrong with you? How? Why would you think like that? Well, she's my mom. She must know I must be wrong. And so then stop listening to myself. So I love, love that you were able to do that. And I wanted to just share that because I wanted to underscore that's a problem. That's a pitfall to wearing a mask. That's one of the symptoms, side effects of wearing a mask. And so we're talking about schools and educators. And we were talking before we started recording. And I wholeheartedly agree with you and believe that whether you're a parent listening or an educator, that it has to start here. It has to start with you yes, doing the work. So do you want to speak on that? Like share about masks that you might've worn and what are your thoughts and your feelings on doing the inner work, the deep work, the deep work to show up differently in your own life so that you can have an impact on your students, on your children? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I feel like we're at a really critical time in the post-COVID world, and there's a massive paradigm shift that I've been feeling for several years, and you'll hear Michael Beckwith and others that I listen to all the time speaking of this massive paradigm shift. More people are waking up, more people are ready to really go within and do this work. And so it's interesting to me that within the education space, because if you think about it, your children are in school for what, six, seven hours a day, and especially elementary, they have one teacher. And, you know, like my son just started middle school, I was in high schools for years. So, you know, they might have six or seven teachers, but like you said, in the beginning, these teachers have massive influence on the kids that they're working with. And the best educators have these amazing, you know, they really touch the kids in an amazing way. And the ones that are not doing so well internally will also damage children. Right. And so I think it's imperative that our educators and our parents, which I know you're on this train too, are actually doing the inner work to really go deep and to start to see where are they, where's their wounded inner child driving their life. For me, it was this place of, so I grew up poor. I was molested at age eight and abandoned at age eight. So I had this really massive trauma at age eight. 
And so the rest of my life was like proving to the world that I mattered, right? And my drug was achievement. So my mask was pretend like I was the best. And it was, you know, it's always, you got to get better. You know, you hear people talk about this, like you make a million, then you want to make 2 million. I had gone to Berkeley, then I had to go to Stanford, right? Then I had to go to the best organization in the charter school world in the whole Bay Area, right? I couldn't just start at any, you know, once I went to Oakland, I was like, okay, now I got to go to the best one, right? And so it was the drug of achievement. And it was not really facing that wounded inner child that felt unworthy because of the trauma at eight and really finding out what is it that this wounded inner child really needed, right? And that's hard work. And I like to call it warrior work, right? So I really talk about the mindful education warrior. And this is the warrior work because when you start to really go within yourself, and it's so ironic to me that you have teachers and educators working all day with children, yet no one, and it's not their fault, no one has taught them to really befriend their inner child, right? even though you're literally looking at mirrors every day, all day of your inner child. And so it seems very logical to me from my logical brain to say, this is something we need to be doing. It needs to become just the mainstay in the education space that you're doing work. And it is more common now to do social emotional learning for kids, mindfulness for kids. And we're starting to have, and you know, in my podcast, I've been talking with people that are doing mindfulness and social emotional learning for kids. And I always ask them, well, I try and find the people that are doing it for adults too, but I always ask them, why aren't we doing it with adults? And it's always like, oh, well, that's a good question. But what we notice is when we do it with kids, the adults start to realize that there's something there and they start doing it for themselves. And so there's not even a foundation or an infrastructure at all that asks educators to do any kind of inner work at all. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't really think we would go here, but this is why I love masks off because I just go wherever the conversation needs to go. So, okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, all right, well, and the reason why I'm going to play the devil's advocate is because I was also an educator before I had my kids. I was a high school teacher. Oh, nice. And I taught in a school in New York. So I don't know how it is in California, but New York has New York state regents exams and all students have to graduate in order to graduate. They have to pass the regents exam. Oh yeah. So as a high school teacher, my job was to teach to the test. And on top of it, I had the at risk kids that were in jeopardy of failing out. So they were coming to school. Number one, probably high number two, no Mm -hmm. food or really any breakfast. When I was pregnant with my son, my 10th grade student was pregnant at the same time. And she wanted to compare pregnancy notes. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't just compare pregnancy notes with a 15 year old, but nonetheless, that's a digression. So what I'm trying to say is the demands and the pressure of the bureaucracy that I had and my colleagues had on us to teach to the test and to have a curriculum that we had to accomplish. So now I'm devil's advocate, David, how in God's name am I supposed to do my inner work and heal within so that I can be different in my classroom with my students? Yeah. Well, there's a macro and the micro from a macro level. We need to completely change what I call the operating system of education, right? The factory model, the absolute craziness that we put our teachers in and our students in and you know, a model that hasn't been changed since 1890. That's a whole other conversation that I will be talking a lot about in the podcast I'm going on. 
But that's the macro level of like, we need systemic change. And, and we talk a lot in the education space around, let's change the curriculum or let's think about project-based learning, which is amazing. But I don't hear as many people talking about, why don't we change the system? Like the actual operating system of how schools are operated, right? The top-down bureaucracy and all of that government agency and, and all that stuff that creates so many problems. And this is why I love micro schools. And this is one of the things I'm doing with Changemaker EDU is supporting others and opening micro schools because you can do it smaller, you can do it without any red tape, and it's super fun and awesome. Yet, majority of our teachers are in those factory model schools that you mentioned, right? And sounds like we had similar experiences in our classrooms with the places I worked. And this is why the inner work is the pathway. Because, you know, you think about Nelson Mandela, who's in prison for 27 years, right? <laughs> you think about people that have been in very adverse environments and they've found ways to go within. And, you know, the Thai soccer players that meditated when they were trapped in the cave and yes. I started reading articles that they were meditating most of the day. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Mm. And I'm not saying that it's like necessarily exactly like prison in schools, but I'm saying the environment is so, you know, they've done research on like the PTSD that you've seen in urban neighborhoods is similar to a veteran coming back from Iraq. And so you have to think about what, the teachers are experiencing through the PTSD of the students, especially in urban schools. And so, yeah, I believe that you can find a way to do the inner work. It's not like it's something that you don't need that much time necessarily. You know, you could spend all summer doing it. In my podcast, I've been talking with people that are like, let's do it over the summer. Let's just start finding a simple meditation practice. And then let's start following teachers that are asking us to do some shadow work around our inner child and maybe start it in the summer. Like, you know, you start your exercise routine when you don't have kids and you take your summer break and maybe start this work and start to go deep. And then what's amazing is that then you start to feel so much better. Yeah. And then when your 10th grade student is pregnant, you're not bringing any judgment. You're not, you know, when they ask you to compare pregnancy notes, you're like, you're going to answer it in a way that's so just beautiful and flowing because you've gone within to see like, that's not a mirror. That's actually her pathway. And maybe in her culture, it's okay for her to have kids at 15. I don't know. But anyway, you're just finding different ways to approach all these things that are coming at you. And you're starting to really follow the flow of life and not the kind of hustle and all the things that exhaust us. And it's really hard and we need to change it. I love that. And I want to go a step further now and say, okay, so a lot of these teachers and parents for that matter, may not even have the awareness that they need to do any kind of inner work, right? So in my five-step power pathway, when I'm helping people pleasers or perfectionists or anyone wearing a mask, the second step of that process is to own and take responsibility. It's own your shit. You have to stop pointing the finger and blaming the world, yes. right? And, and I say that with sensitivity because I understand I was in that place of victimhood for yeah. so many years yes. and it does take a lot to be able to own how it, and I didn't want to suffer anymore. Yes. And when you're in a victim position, you're suffering, you're feeling powerless and helpless. And I didn't want to feel like that. So I wanted to change. And the only thing that I know for sure that I can change is myself. I cannot control or change 
people, places, and things. I can control myself. So that's where the inner work comes in. And that's how I've grown and transformed and evolved. But going back to how do the parents and the teachers, if they don't even have the awareness of these patterns, have the awareness that they're in this victim place to even do the work. So I have a vision of wanting to, you know, how in schools they have professional development days, maybe they have two or I don't know if they still do, but they used to, to either go to PTA meetings, professional development days, any way, shape or form to get in front of parents and educators to talk about masks and to talk about the problem and and the solution, the prison to the paradise. Yes. Yes. Okay. This is so, I just had this memory of Dr. Shafali when I went to Evolve probably like five years ago Mm -hmm. and I did the Monday meditation. And on the last day, we spent seven hours in silence more or less. And the last hour we did some sort of activity. And I remember her saying to us over and over and over again, that we all had to say it out loud you can't change everyone. She's like, you can't change. say it again. You can't change. You can't change everyone. And you have to help those that are ready to be helped. And she kept having us say it out loud, because as you were talking, I was thinking about how we have to trust that those that are ready to wake up will wake up when they're ready to wake up. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can't actually necessarily change that. However, we can hope that we find the people that are ready to wake up and that maybe we resonate with them and we're put in their pathway. I'm sure we have experiences where we're like, wow, when you needed the teacher, he or she was like right away. And then it reminds me of, so there's a program that I started to get to know called Breathe for Change, which is a friend of mine who started this company, this program, that's a 200 hour yoga teacher training that she mm-hmm. did that changed her life as a teacher. And then she created a way to share it with others. And she was sharing with me that she has, I think something like 10,000 teachers over the last eight years have been certified. And it's a yoga teacher training class, but really what it is, is 200 hours of inner work, right? And so it's a good way to quote unquote, fool people into doing the inner work (laughs) yet. (laughs) That's kind of like from the outside, but from the, from the kind of like flow of life perspective, I believe that those people are ready. And so now this program shows up and she's told me that they're in year eight. So they're thinking about ways to scale and what they're going to do. And She said, when they do professional development that the district pays for, or the principal signs up for, that they have found almost no success. Mm. When they have a teacher decide to pay, I want to say it's like $5,000. It's not cheap. And she's like, I don't know how they do this. When a teacher finds $5,000 to pay, you know, 500 or 400 a month or whatever, or they find a way to get a thousand from the district and then a thousand from the grant program, whatever, when they make it happen. And they are like, I want to do this 200 hour class because my friends are like, it's changing their lives. They have massive results. Right. And so I don't know, as you were talking, I was just thinking about the fact that like anything, whether it's an education space or in the business space, we have to trust that there's something way beyond us that's going to coordinate this. And we keep showing up in our highest light and the people that we need to serve will come exactly when they need to come. A hundred percent. And even what you and I are doing with our podcasts is raising the awareness and that's all we can do, right. Is put it out there and plant the seed and who needs to get it, gets it. And if they're not ready for it, they're not ready for it. That I could tell you. I mean, even when I was learning from Shafali, there were some things I was not ready for when she was teaching it at that time. And now it's 
seven, eight years later. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, that's what she was talking about. I get <laughs> <Exactly>. it. <laughs> I get exactly, it. So exactly. just plant the seeds and then see what happens if the garden grows or not. Yes. So one other thing that I wanted to touch upon, which is also, we are definitely delving into some, what's the word I'm thinking of when it can create tension? You know, it's like you have a point of view, but not contentious, but controversy, hot topics that some people, hot topics topics will have a feeling about because I can hear teachers saying, just like I said, well, what do you mean? I had to do my inner work. I have too much to, you know, that's a hot topic. But here's another one that you and I talked about. Yeah. So we were saying before we started recording that we were in alignment. I think that we were saying we cannot eliminate this problem, but help the problem of our teenagers and young adults to engage less with drugs, alcohol, technology, overeating, depression, anxiety, loneliness, when and if they learn about the masks that they may be wearing and how to take them off. Because I know for me that the more I have done the inner work and taken off the masks, the more I can be my true self, the more that I'm in my sovereignty, that I have more joy in my life the more inner peace that I have, the more freedom I have, right? Like think about wearing all those masks are just so heavy and cumbersome that it's so hard to move through life. Of course, we're going to want to numb out. Of course, we want to just check out with Netflix when we feel like we couldn't show up as our true self all day long. It's exhausting to wear a mask. Absolutely. Yeah. And our teenagers, our young adults in college, like my, my daughter's in college and the pressure to be a perfectionist and to get the good grades and to have a job and to play a sport. And there's just so much, right? There's just so much of it. And so I feel from my personal experience growing up and as a mom and as an educator that there is, whether it's a direct correlation or an indirect correlation between wearing masks and engaging in these numbing behaviors. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, absolutely. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, so I'm working with a woman in New Jersey. I won't say her name because I didn't ask her for permission, but Mm -hmm. she's starting a school in New Jersey and she's a conscious parent coach. And she was talking about how she's like, how can I, you know, she was thinking about conscious parenting and the school. I'm not sure if she was thinking about it this way or not, but we had this moment when we were talking because I've been working with her, helping her out. That's another thing I do is I help people open schools. And I had this realization, which I think she did too, which is these are not separate things. Your school will get conscious parenting coaching from her on Tuesday nights. And then in the morning, go see how you can implement that. The other thing I love is in the, I've seen so many amazing schools. So before I opened my last school, I visited 50 of the best schools across the country. And what I can tell you hundred percent with hundred percent certainty is that when the parents and the teachers and the leadership and everyone's on the same page about how they're rearing these children, how the village is raising these children, you'll see amazing things happen. We know this from doing the conscious parenting journey 
I have examples of doing this deep hypnosis with Janet Philbin and then literally coming out of the hypnosis and my son's playing the piano, right? And he hadn't played the piano for six years. Like that's not a coincidence. I had broken an intergenerational creativity block that I had. And then all of a sudden he's playing the piano again after six years, right? So we know that this works, you and I do, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners. And so if you can envision a school like the one in New Jersey that's coming to light where there's a connection between the parents, the students and the teachers and the staff, and they're all speaking the same language. And so parents are getting conscious you know, parenting and they're doing the work and they're ready to wake up in their own way. And like you said, on their own path and their own timeline and things that we didn't understand five years ago, five years ago now makes sense. You have programs for the teenagers, you have programs for the teachers, like we've been talking about where they're doing the inner work. And it's this perfect combination of everyone doing what they should be doing on themselves so that they start to create a better environment and space for the children. And like we talked about before you hit record, most of the time we need to be learning from the kids. So it's not about helping them take their mask off. It's about not putting the mask on. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yes. Whatever they get, the education system, the parents, the world just keeps putting more and more masks on them. And so if we could really find schools where they're actually authentically 100% letting children be authentically free and be themselves, because I've seen these schools, some mm -hmm. of these amazing schools, where they're led by, and I didn't realize this back then, but now I do, they're led by really conscious people or people that have awakened and that are, you know, they don't, nobody necessarily knows about this, but when you start to, when I started to look back, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. So they've done the work as the person who's leading the school. And then it just kind of ripples out. And so I feel the technology with technology is my son is almost 13, just got a phone and my wife and I put it off for as long as humanly possible out of his friends of about 20, he was the last one. And we were holding out and we're like, fine. But like the technology piece, but you know, we're going to, as old people, like my son likes to call <laughs> me a boomer. We're going to always blame it on, oh, it's, a tech, it's TikTok. But the reality is when we were kids, it was a TV or whatever the numbing agent is. Yeah. We it's, but it feels worse to me at this moment. And maybe I'm right or wrong. Maybe I'm just a boomer, but it does feel like the technology <laughs> is really pervasive. And so to have a foundation for our kids around the parents the teachers, everyone's on the same page and they're learning how to not wear the mask and to be their authentic selves and to understand when they're going down the pathway of the phone or the social media, they're doing it consciously. And there's a lot we talk about. So I hope I answered that. Oh my like God. It's just beautiful. <laughs> I just love that vision. And I'm so glad that you shared that point about the schools that are out there because yeah. that's what gives hope. That's the possibility that's out there. And so for those that are listening that don't have their kids in schools like that, or are Which is most all, of us, including exactly, me, exactly <laughs> same. And that's what I wanted to bring up. And that's what I will round out the conversation by saying yeah. is to land it with this, that for those of us who are still, or who are on the path of trying to take off the masks and basically AKA doing the inner work healing our inner child wounds, doing the shadow work. And I will say for myself personally, that it is a work in progress. Absolutely. I'm yeah. a work in progress. And I don't know that my patterns will ever completely go away. But what happens is when they show up, I can very quickly see it, catch it, do my inner process. Yes. Work it through, 
and transmute it. So for example, I will share this little last story. Yeah. So yesterday I went to physical therapy and I live in upstate New York in a town called Clifton Park. And where the physical therapist is, is in a gym called the Impact Ther- Impact Gym, something like that. And this gym is, and you'll appreciate this because you live in Sacramento. This yeah. gym is owned and run by Kevin Herter of the oh, Sacramento yes. Kings. Okay. I remember you telling me that last time we talked. Yeah. Okay. Very- so he was running a basketball camp. There were 300 little kids there when I went yesterday. And I said to the physical therapist, I said, so is Kevin Herter here? And he said, yeah, he's around somewhere. (laughs) Okay, cool. When I left my appointment, I'm walking out and he's standing at the front desk talking to a woman and he's just taking the basketball and shooting it against the wall. Nobody else was around. He didn't seem like he was bothered or busy or anything. And, you know, of course I did have my Boston Celtics t-shirt on. So maybe that was one thing, one reason why. But my initial desire was to ask him to take a picture. I kept feeling this nudge. He'll take a picture with me. Yeah. And do you know that I did not ask him because my people pleaser mask came on and I didn't want to bother him. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to show up. I didn't want to step out of my comfort zone because well, then what if he rejected and said no, or looked at me like, what are you crazy? I'm not taking a picture. Like all this inner child, little girl stuff just came flooding up. And I did not ask him for the darn picture. And I'm sure he would have been absolutely fine taking it. But what did your intuition say? Do you have clarity on that? My like, intuition was overridden by my fear. Okay, and my so mask. you weren't even sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason was... I'm asking is because my son's actually playing on a basketball team with Paige Stoyakovich's son. They're the same age. They're both ah. going into seventh grade. Yep. And I have an interesting perspective on this because Paige lives in my neighborhood, kind of well, like on the other side in the really nice neighborhood. But I see him when I'm walking, and he gets harassed. And and like you said, no one was there, right? But this is his life. Because in Sacramento, he's literally, you know, we love the Kings. He's like a massive celebrity here. Yes. So he comes into the gym for the game. He literally runs in right before the game starts. Usually the referees, 20 people, a bunch of kids, like he just gets mobbed and he seems like an introvert. And then he watches the game kind of in the corner. He kind of hides as much as he can. And then he runs out. Mm. And we've been on the team together for a year. So at first it was this big deal. And my son was so nervous when he was there. And now we're all just used to it. So I was wondering what your intuition said. Because like, yes, maybe intuition said he is another human being. And I don't want to be that person who's going to interrupt his day and ask for a picture. But I'm not like there's a right or wrong, but I'm yes. just curious. Like, yes, no. intuitively, maybe you were following something beyond what your mind was telling you to do, you know? I, I think, let me see about that and check in. There was a little hint of that. There was a little bit of that energy. It was more of a common courtesy thing that he probably just doesn't want to be bombarded by all this stuff. But then there was the other piece that was more loud than that, which, and I beat myself up over it in the car. I went into that barrage of Kim, what's wrong with you? That internet, like, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you ask what, you know, you're just a human being. He's a human, all this nonsense. But my point is that the pattern showed up. My people pleasing pattern showed up still, but 
in the past, that would have bothered me for days and weeks. And I wouldn't have even known what to do with those feelings that I had or those thoughts that I had. Yes. And now I was like, okay, I'm aware that this is a pattern. And I went in and I just felt my feelings and I was with it. And I knew it was my little girl. And I knew that she was feeling less than and not good enough. And so I was able to be with my little girl. I was able to nurture her and comfort her and say, it's okay. And worked myself through it. And then just kind of had that whole conversation and then I was okay. And I was able to move through it. So the point is it doesn't mean that we show up perfectly because we do the inner work. You started the whole podcast in the beginning about the importance of the deep inner healing work. And it's so important to do it. It does not mean you can share if you agree or disagree. It does not mean that it's a one and done and you do this work and you are forever now like free of right that right. showing up. No, no. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And sorry, intuitively I wanted to I'm I want to say something then and I was deciding if I would, but you said you were hard on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what we all do. And then you said all of that nonsense. And because mm. I work with people all the time now on how they talk to each other and how they treat their inner child, I just wanted to call yes. that out yes. because See? I feel like we do this all the time. And this is not a criticism of you. This is more of just yeah. an observation to share a teaching, which is if we mm. can be really, really careful how we speak to ourselves yes. and how we, because what we do is we reject to your point. The reason this work is so powerful is that we have this part of us, that wounded inner child that literally is screaming for attention. And so what we do is you have done this massive work, be aware of it to recognize that probably wasn't your authentic voice that said, don't get a picture though. There was some authentic voice that said, Hey, maybe I'm not really into this status thing anymore. Cause I'm getting so conscious, you know, whatever, (laughs) but then there's part of you. And then when you befriended your inner child, then you were beating yourself up, which we all do. So that's totally understandable. And even as you're telling the story now, you're like, and that nonsense, you know, where yes. I'm going. and so I yes. want to in, like invite the audience to think about how we speak to ourselves, where we are not loving towards ourselves because, and that it only takes like in this whole conversation around schools and parenting, it only takes one person. If there's one person in that school that's doing this deep work and that's in, even in a factory model school, right? Cause my Nirvana you know, I know the first thing is going to be, oh, that's 99% of schools aren't like that or 99.9% of schools aren't like that. Great. But I like to hold the vision for where we're going. And if you're in one of those 99.9% schools, if you could be the one person, the one Kim Gross that's in that school that is doing this deep work and then teaching your kids like, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, I just said that nonsense. I just basically, you know, punched my inner child in the face for having deep feelings. (laughs) I'm being mean to you, but I'm just making a point right? Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. And I love that you called that out, David, because that is how subtle, so subtle, so subtle, but yet so profound. And that is how easily and quickly we dismiss our inner child. Yes. By just something like that. So I'm so glad you called it out. It's perfect because I did say it and I wasn't even conscious of myself saying it. But that has such a huge impact on how we relate with our inner child and most likely how we relate 
with our own children. Yes. Co-workers, students, whoever. Yes. We think it's no big deal. It's like we just make so light of it, but it's so profound. Absolutely. And then we, we are not aware of it and everyone's the mirror, right? So then next time we see somebody who we think didn't have the courage to do something, then we're judging them, right? Because we're just judging our own selves, but yeah. Yeah. I still don't know if you actually should have asked him for a picture, but (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's really cool that you saw him and my son is literally going to die. Like when I tell him this story, he's going to be like, what? She didn't get a picture. (laughs) See, I know, right? It's so funny. And I don't even have any more physical therapy sessions. I'm all done. So (laughs) I won't even be able to go back and see him. But But you have a great story and you have a great picture. And I actually ran into Kevin Johnson when I was opening. He he used to be the mayor of Sacramento. He played for the Phoenix Suns for years. Mm. I think he's in the NBA Hall of Fame, but I ran into him at a coffee shop the week after I moved here. And I did have the courage to go up to him in the line because he's opened a charter school and he's very pro-education reform. And, but he then asked me for the elevator pitch. He was like, so what are you up to? I was like, Hey, I'm opening a charter school here in the area. He was literally in the line, like three people in front of him. So I was like, I think I have a minute, you know? And he's like, what are you up to? And I hadn't really clarified how to say it. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I'm doing this. And I, I was so upset with the way that I had pitched the school. I was like, why was mm-hmm. I talking about and mm. so, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Gonna do? You're going to be with your inner child and say, it's okay. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. You're going to let your And know that every okay. single lesson is for your highest good. Yes. So whatever it is that this lesson you needed here on Schoolroom Earth is, okay, I needed a lesson to maybe next week, you're going to reach out to like my dream guest on the podcast because I didn't talk, yes. didn't get a picture with Kevin Herter. Now I learned. Yes. And now I'm going to find that courage and I'm going to nurture my inner child. I literally have conversations with my inner child sometimes 50 times in a day. Like, mm. what do you need today? What's going on? And then nurture that inner child. You didn't have time either. You had a quick decision. <laughs> yes, yes, so, yes, story. exactly, exactly. And you know what? You're right. Everything is a lesson. Look how much I learned just from that one experience exactly. of not asking for that picture. I'm talking about it now with you. I wrote about it in my journal. I have learned yep. so much from yep. that lesson, that experience. So I love that. Okay. So, wow. We talked about so much. Tell us where the listeners can find you if they want to reach out. Yeah. So davidkrichards.com. It's very simple. Just my name and you'll find the podcast on there and programs are running. I'm running and anything you need. I'm right there. Just email me, david at davidkrichards.com. And you said that you're, you were telling me that you're pivot for your podcast is coming out on Wednesday, August 2nd. Okay. And this is going to be released on August 24th. So it will be just after. So perfect timing. So anyone that is catching this episode can go and check out your podcast as well. Yeah. And it's really, it's called Changing Maker EDU. And the idea is that it's a community that's doing the inner work and whatever change wants to come through you. So whether you're an educator or not, if you're a parent or if you're not even in education at all, like it's just, it's just about doing work on yourself and creating the change on the outside from the inside out. Mm, I love that. You know, I love that. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Okay. Thank you so much for being here today. I will say you're welcome. I will say that before we recorded 
my energy was a little bit low, just my allergies and whatnot. And yeah. now that we've had this conversation, I am like, my vibe is up here. And that's what <laughs> I love about talking about this shit because yes. it can just rev me up. I'm yes. so excited. I want to go change the world now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Oh my gosh. It was great to see you again. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Kim. So thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Masks Off. If you enjoyed this conversation that I had with David, I would love for you to leave a comment, a thumbs up, and if you would be willing to subscribe. And I will see you next week.